This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstiles! So, welcome to another edition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Row Collectibles. If you're into nerd culture, if you're into sports memorabilia, if you're into wrestling memorabilia, please visit firstrow.ca. Use promo code DOPEPODCAST20. They ship worldwide. They got everything from comic books to signed sports memorabilia, signed UFC memorabilia. Anything you need or want, they have it there. So please visit them at firstrow.ca. And if you're into video games and books, please visit bossfightbooks.com for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like NBA Jam, Resident Evil, Silent Hill 2, and so many others. Everything you see on their website. It's available in paperback and ebook format, so please check them out at bossfightbooks.com. And if you're looking for the best supplements and CBD products on the market, look no further and visit LegacySups.com and use promo code THEPODCAST to receive 10% off. They have everything from sleep aids to muscle building to anything in between. That is Legacy Sports Nutrition, so please visit them at LegacySubs.com. And if you want to support me directly, you can visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device. It's embedded right there in the description. Click on that link. It takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts to travel mugs, anything you need or want. It is literally there. But the easiest thing, the freest thing, the most important thing you could do Please rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, most specifically Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week's guest is a mixed martial artist who currently fights in the UFC's lightweight division, fellow Canadian John the Bull McDessie. Thank you for having me, man. No, thanks for being here. Thanks for Okay, before we get into anything, first off, why did a couple from Lebanon decide to move to Halifax, Nova Scotia? I, this blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, man, well, with the war, it's war. That's what happens. Usually gotcha. war and the economy and, you know, no opportunities back in the back at home. So I feel like people travel because when they feel, I feel like humans, they travel, you know, when, when there's, they feel something's lacking or there's some type of uh, scarcity and they want to try to build abundance and try to build a different life, you know, so... My parents immigrated to uh, Canada. I was born in Halifax, and I was raised in Montreal. And now I'm in Arizona, Phoenix, trying to build my own life. No, that's awesome. And it's good that you moved from Halifax to Montreal. But again, going back to, but why did your parents decide Halifax of all cities? They could have gone to Toronto. They could have gone to Vancouver. Like, you know what I mean? So many other type of cities in Canada. Um, for what I know, it's my uncle. My my my, uh, my oldest, the oldest came to Canada. And there he it is. kind of brought the family down. Okay, because that's sort of like in my family's case, because my parents, I'm first generation, my parents came from Portugal, and my dad followed his brother because he came here to Toronto. So yeah, I, I totally understand that. Yeah, yeah that's how it is, yeah, exactly. So then moving to Montreal, how old were you when you ended up moving to Montreal? I was very young, I was a baby. In my, oh, uh, okay. I was very young, yeah, I don't, even, I don't really remember Halifax, I was an infant, I did all my schooling, all my, you know, growing up in Montreal. And so I'm assuming, you obviously, you speak French, right? <laughs> I do speak French, yeah. You know, Quebec, Arabic, English, and French. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm assuming that goes 
towards your benefit, obviously living in a multicultural country and now being down there in the States as well? Or is it frowned upon knowing so many languages down there? What do you mean, though? In the U.S.? Yeah. No, you know, no, they, they like it. They like my accent. They, they, they <laughs> like, you know, they're not really, uh, you know, they're not familiar with uh, Canada, Montreal, Quebec, even though we're neighbors be surprised a lot of people are not familiar they don't know what canada is it's so true the americans that i talk to that have never been to canada know nothing and it's like a complete upside down world to them like they think i don't know what they think it's it's like we're almost the same sort of but it's just we follow different laws and stuff and like we speak english like you know what i mean it's i, I don't know what they think sometimes exactly yeah yeah so now, being in Phoenix, what was the reason of moving over to Phoenix? Just you wanted good sun, or is it a training? Training, yeah, training. Oh, you know, okay. my, from my fighting career, uh, you know, training, expanding my horizon, trying to get a good team, a gym. You know, it's very hard to find, uh, you know. So so Arizona, I came here. I, I met, uh, you know, I met some guys here. Uh, you know, I was very fortunate. I worked with, obviously, my in the beginning of my career, I started with George St. Pierre, I tried to gym. Exactly. Then I expanded. Wisconsin, I trained with Anthony Pettis, now with Ben Henderson. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like to travel, I like to expand my horizon. Like you need to, you know, you need to expand and uh, it's just for, for my career, you know. So I kept on moving I'm, uh, and, and now I'm, I'm in Arizona. Well, and that's the thing. A lot of fighters nowadays move from camp to camp to camp instead of being like their whole career at one camp. What makes, in your opinion, what makes you want to move, not necessarily because you're sick of the camp, but what makes a fighter move from camp to camp in order to become better? Yeah, well, it's personal preference, you know. Okay. Uh, I truly believe that uh, you know if you're not if you're not like content, if you're if you're not getting the attention you need, if you're not if there's something lacking, if you feel like you no know, something's not good, you gotta you have to find something that works that aligns with you, you know, like in a sense that's of uh, with and training and everything. You know? so that's I mean I feel like MMA it's it's still developing. Uh, you know, it's a, it's yeah. a big there's a lot of fighters in under one umbrella. You know, so to get quality is very hard. You know what I mean, unless you're not, the, if you're not the main guy, you're not the, unless you get your own crew, if you can develop your own type of circle that can sure. monitor, help you with your career, you know, because as a fighter, as a person, you know, it's, we kind of do things on our own and we just kind of go into big camps where we don't really get good proper coaching. You know, this is where injuries occur. This is where like, you know, a lot of uh, overtraining, a lot of like things that people don't want to talk about, you know, the in the athletic. You know, psychological, mental, mental health, uh, physical, emotional fighters that just kind of go to a gym, um, and some guys they, 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 they like that. So some some guys like that. You know what I mean? So uh, so I don't like that. I like more small circuit. I like okay. family. I like more, so that's why I came to Arizona. It's smaller. I'm surrounded by some good guys. You know, uh, you know. Right now, I'm connected with the, the, the lab. I'm connected with another gym called UPF for Mexicans. So they're very mm-hmm. aggressive. I like a boxing style, you know, I'm, I'm a striker, so, uh, you know, I, good connection so far. Yeah, and speaking of striking, you used to kickbox first, correct? I started taekwondo Okay. my younger my younger age, you know, I was eight, very young, really, you know, I mean, I started with my first discipline was taekwondo, karate, and then kickboxing was my, what led me to mixed martial arts. Now, why would you, why did you want to make the jump from kickboxing to, because like you said, especially in the late 2000s, it still wasn't as popular, not as like even today's standards, but it was sort of like, you know, any combat mar- uh, martial arts back then was like even level. So why would you want to make the jump from kickboxing to go to MMA? So it's simple. Two things. It's not popular. Kickboxing was dying out and there's no money in the business. Ah, uh, okay. That makes it's complete simple. sense. That makes yeah. Well, but in some people's opinion, MMA uh, fighters like yourself aren't getting paid. They're just due compared to like these celebrity type fights that they're putting on. And those guys are getting paid like in the millions, right? Yeah. Well, now it's a different story. Yeah, now, now, now fighting, I feel like it's becoming, it's a different era. It's a different evolution. You know, uh, you need to become good. You have to be marketable. You need to, you need to work on marketing. And it's also mm-hmm. about like, you got to learn how to sell yourself. You got to learn how to talk. Outspoken, you know, you, you have to build a character. It's, it's like a movie. You got to build a character. You, you know, you have to find a way, you know, to get people's attention. And that's what's going to, you need to know how to fight. So it's, it's, it's a mixture of stuff, of course, you know, because at the end of the day, you are going to have to fight. So you need to know how to, how to throw down. But, but most of it, you know, you look at like a lot of guys, you know, uh, like Jake Paul, Conor McGregor, those guys, you know, they, they, they're kind of, you know, making a big noise because they just know how to mark. 
And do you think it's good for the business or bad for the business as a fighter yourself? I mean, fighting is a tough business, so that's it's just a part of the territory. It comes, it comes with the territory. You know, what I mean, this is this is entertainment. It's it's television. You know, what I mean, it's reality TV. It's whatever you want to call it. It's this is the way it is. So, you know, if I if for me to really, th- I don't really try to think about it too much. My goal right now is to kind of make my own uh, noise and make my own do my own stuff and focus my own lane. So what made you want to get into all of the combat sports to, to begin with? Was it something that you saw on TV? Was it a, a relative that you knew? What made it click for you? Yeah, I, I was I was born and uh, I was since a young age. I was very, uh, I was I was moving, hyperactive, and I, I fell in love with fighting the first the first time I entered the gym. So it was just I was always attracted to the discipline and, and all that stuff. You know what I mean? It, it just you're good at something, you stick to it. You know what I mean? I was very good at it in a younger age, and I kind of stuck to it. Did not know where it's going to lead. Just like with your podcast, you know, you start something, you know, next thing you know, one thing leads to another. You try things, you know what I mean? That's it. But it's not, I don't, it's not really much to think about. Well, and that shows why you jump from gym, not jump, but you go from gym to gym to learn and to outreach. And because again, it's sort of like learning languages. Why be stuck knowing one language when you can learn so many and interact with so many people instead of interacting with, like, you know what I mean? It sort of goes hand in hand, right? 100%. If I feel like I'm not growing, if I'm, if I don't feel like the situation is not good, I got to do something about it. See, and one of my favorite sayings that I usually use every time and now and then is, if, if I'm not learning, I'm dying. Like, you know, to me, like every day is an adventure. Every day is you got to get better. Like, yeah, obviously there's some days where you, you're, it's not all fucking peaches and cream as they say, but you know what I mean? You got to take the bad with the good, but as long as you rise above it and you learn from your mistakes, what else can you do? 100%. Now... Being signed to the UFC, how did all this come to be? Like, were they on your radar? Did you go send tapes to them? How did it all go down? Yeah, well, well you need to have, uh, you know, it's you need, I have a manager, I have someone, you know, being in a big gym, you need to be, you need to be in, in a situation where you're exposed, you know, sure. you're fighting in a promotions, local promotions. The UFC is always scouting guys, scouting people, and also I was in Montreal based. I was training in a in a big gym, you know, like TriStar, and I was competing, and uh, yeah. and I got recognized from the UFC, and I got I got signed in the UFC in 2010 when I was seven or no. Well, that's pretty good. Now, going back to say your like first fights in the MM, in MMA world, were you like nervous? Was there like family and friends there, and you're like, oh shit, I can't take this loss. It's my first fight. Like, what was going through your mind during your first MMA fight? Mind you, knowing that you already came from other uh, combat sports, but how was that transition over to MMA and the way you were feeling? Yeah, I mean, you know, you're, you're, I was young. Um, I was excited. You know, it's a lot of adrenaline. I mean, like. You're, you're like you have it's something new something that you're building so it's yeah, of course the family and friends are there it's it's crazy because in this life you like it's it's a tough life you know so for for people to stay in your circle for like a long period of time for over a decade sure. there's a lot of up and downs you know so there's a lot of people that came in my life and have gone because of fighting you know what i mean because it's it's kind of i put it first you know what i mean so it's not tough you know it's very tough you know my own family they, they get nervous, you know, they get kind of, so I kind of do my own thing now, you know, I, I kind of like just focus on myself and do my own stuff, you know, I have good support, you know, but it's, it's a tough business. It's a very tough business to, to have your loved ones uh, watch you from a distance. Now, you came in at, like I said, the late 2000s and stuff, right pretty much when the UFC was blowing up and putting like cards all the time. Now, do you think it's better when they have like the sort of stacked cards once in a while, or do you prefer having a, an event every weekend? Well, you know, I think it's saturated. So when there's something always all the time, people don't get excited as much. That's true. But then like other people try and like to be on the other side, like they want to be like professional sports every day. There's an NBA game. Like every day there's an NHL game. You know what I mean? So to have different fights on all the time, like maybe it's because we grew up in the in, in a different era. Yes, correct. No, I'm not saying that in a business perspective. I, I, I get it. You know, they well, of course, yeah, they're going to make tons of money. There's a lot of fighters, you know, in the UFC, and they need they need every fighter rotating and moving, and and to have fights every week and this and that. Of course, they they have to you know build a brand. So that's for sure. You know, but all I'm just trying to say is that from my personal perspective, right. you know, obviously don't get too excited because it's just fights every weekend but 
but the big fights yeah you know the, it's all about how you promote it you know what i mean like everybody wants to see uh, the next big fight if i'm not mistaken uh, you know it's the heavyweight yeah, and plus you have Adesanya and Whitaker coming up, and Kovitin and Masvidal was just announced too. So, but again, see, see, but that's the thing. There still is those big fights, and they are still three and four months apart, like the original UFC pay per views were. But yeah, people are still complaining, and I'm I'm with you. I think it's saturated as well. I was just playing the other side of the fence, just have a good conversation here. But I agree. Like you can still have the big fights, and it all comes down to marketing and putting it out there. But yeah, I think it is a little bit saturated because. It's almost like, oh, okay, you look up and down the card, not to name names or anything, but it's like, okay, yeah, I know these guys, but do I want to pay to watch these guys? That's what it comes down to in the end, right? Right, exactly. Uh, and, you know, th- th- that's why I think every fighter in the UFC is trying to do that, like become a big name, you know? Well, uh, that's my goal in the, on the pay-per-view. Yeah, no, no, of course. I, I totally agree with you, n- no doubt. Now, how about adding more weight classes? Is, is that a thing of interest for the fighters? I mean, yeah, for sure, of course. It's. I feel like it would be more fair versus having a big gap, like size advantage. Some sure. guys are, are ridiculously heavier than others. But sure. uh, like boxing, you know, when you look at boxing, they have more more weight classes, you know, relatively fair. You know what I mean? You don't really see in a boxing match where where it's visible, you know? Right. In the, in the, in the UFC, you're like, holy shit, like, these guys are like, doesn't look like they're in the same weight class, but the guy makes weight. One guy can cut... 10 pounds and another guy can cut 30 pounds as long as he makes weight they don't really care yeah no kidding and I I find that that's like the biggest argument nowadays is how do you find the perfect way to weight cut and be fair at the same time and not risk like the health of you guys as the fighters right 100% now obviously every fighter hates weight cutting no one loves it you fight at 155 have you always fought at 155 your whole career yeah, I, pre- I relatively never believed in make. I never believed in like doing big weight cuts. You know, I come from an old school background okay. where my instructor like told me you fight your weight and then mm. then die. Then I started going. Then I started to. I got to do some mixed martial arts. Then I saw how everybody's cutting weight. So it's like you're like I was gonna put myself in a bad position, a disadvantage. So I had to start learning, you know, how to diet and put myself in a calorie deficiency. So it's kind of like, it's it's really, if you really think about it, we're like abusing our body. We're manipulating our body weight with, of course, exercising and nutrition and water loading and then deloading. It's just a whole science behind the weight cutting. It's, it's a whole different uh, conversation. Yeah, no kidding. I could only imagine. And I don't even want to get into that because I don't even know the analytics and all the background stuff that you guys go through to do that. But how about this? What's one of your favorite cheat meals after you've cut weight and you're over and done with a fight camp? My favorite cheat meal, I can, you know, probably just having uh, like a big meal, you know, because usually I'm always eating small meals. I always have to watch my portion control. So just like not really caring about my portion. I can just eat whatever meal I want to eat and not care about the size. Oh, that's true. And how, now, you said it, you love fighting at 155 because you don't want to cut too much weight. Did you ever think of any time in your career to either go up or down at one point? Or did anyone ever suggest to you to go up and down? Yeah, of course, my whole, or my whole career, you know, people around me saying, John, you know, maybe you should go to 145 because really? I'm a smaller, relatively a smaller guy, you know, I'm 5'8". I, I'm relatively, you know, always at a disadvantage usually when I fight a guy, you know, uh, reach, height, right. size. So, you know, my last opponent, the guy was six, almost 6'2". Six wow, at 155? Yeah. Wow, see, see, that's what I mean. That's where it's, and it's true. You don't see that in boxing where you truly see that difference and that gap when it comes to weight cutting. Wow, yeah, you're right. Holy shit, I never thought of it that way. So, again, besides weight cutting, what's the worst thing about fighting that you despise or that you would want to change? About fighting, uh, I would say the, the, I would say the salary, how we get paid. You know, that would be something, you know, if we can get paid differently, then you, know, you look at surgeons, you look at other athletes, they have at least a salary base, they have like a base salary and they kind of, you know, and then they have like X amount of competition they need to do. You know, I think the structure of the, how we get paid can be better, it will give us more and less stressful, you know, less stress on the fighters and maybe give us more, more support in a sense of, uh, of you know, overall our like well-being, you know, because to be a fighter, 
and to try to juggle fighting and 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 the income and and try if you want to build something else it's very hard you know like you have to have like i have four or five hustle jobs on the side i never sure. focus on one i never just said um it's gonna focus on fighting no i'm always focusing on most trying to find different ways to create income yeah no kidding and the, the one thing that always it goes back to uh, that i heard one time was someone said it like the w- world heavyweight champion of the ufc at one point milchich was still being a fighter fighter while he was the heavyweight champion like what other sport you don't see lebron james going to work you don't see like someone like you know what i mean like the best of the best working a side job right 100 percent. i mean that he for, if I was him, I would do the same thing. He, it's probably benefiting him more to be a part of a firefight, uh, to be doing a, uh, to be in that in a sense where they probably get taken care of and they have they have they have pension, they have right? Benefits. Yeah, no kidding, because that's the other thing. Because obviously, not being unionized or anything, there's nothing. It's all on you guys, right? Right. Oh man, yeah. That okay. That that is that is a good one to change. How about interim titles? Are you a fan of those as a fighter? Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I figured. Like, that's, just, that's just whatever, man. That's just that's just that's when that's the power they have. They do whatever they want, <laughs> and that's what I never understood. Because okay, well, I sort of understand it because again, it comes down to money and stuff. But you know that the fans know that that's not the so-called real champ. And I know they're going to unify it once the other fighter comes back. But what's even the point of handing it out? Like, I, it never made sense to me. Oh, because you know. They can't wait for too long, you know. People, are, it's, we live in a fast-paced world. So, if, if, a, if, a, if a world champion once a year because he wants to chill and recover, you know, like look at boxing. That's why there's so many belts. True, you know, like boxing is different. But I understand where they're coming from. I, it's better. It's more like they should. They should just like if, if that's the case, they should just do like multiple belts. You know what I mean? Because it's complicated. It's it's very complex, even for me to explain. Because you know, what I mean, you have a champion who's not fighting; he's inactive. But they need to have the, the the other people need to be moving. They need to be fighting. So, and the company needs to be going. You know what I mean? There's a flow, it has to be a flow of action. So, for some one guy to put everybody on a hold, it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true too. I didn't think of it that way because the everyone else below is the ones that are suffering. Because what's the point of moving up and down the ranks if you know the champ's not going to fight, right? Why 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 risk your positioning? Exactly. So that's why it's, it's, it's uh, a lot of politi- politics. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Well, yeah, like everything else in this world that makes money, right? What else is new? <laughs> business. Yep. Business is business. Okay. How about this? What was the fight, in your opinion, that you were in that everything just clicked and you were like, as they say, a God mode and nothing went wrong for you? I'm very fortunate. I had good fights in my career, but you're in Toronto. Let's go back to Toronto. Okay. When the original UFC fighters let me know if you know your homework okay it was one of my famous fights the spinning back fist I was at the if I if I believe it was the only time the UFC went to the baseball stadium oh at, at, at the, well at the time it was uh what's it called Sky Dome but now it's called Rogers Center the Rogers Center where yeah I remember I'll never forget I was on the undercard of GSP George St. Pierre was was the main event and the and it was in and it was crazy it took me almost like 15 20 minutes to walk to the octagon it was such a big it was such right? a big I get that my it was crazy it was such a crazy uh you know i was fighting a guy from the ultimate fighting series okay you know than me more experienced than me and i and i just i uh, you know it was one of my best performances you know i, I caught him with a spinning back fist oh that oh that fight okay yeah yes yeah, that infamous fight okay that that was pretty and yeah exactly and how was because I'm assuming that was the biggest crowd you've ever fought in front of were you nervous during that fight? Yeah, I'm, I'm, every fight I'm nervous. Every Are fight. you okay? Every every fight I just more mature. I just I just deal with my nerves a little bit more better. I understand myself more. You know, like like you know, I know I'm going to be nervous. I know I'm going to have all these things. So it's just it's being a human. It's out of our control. You know what I mean? So. It's understanding yourself more with experience. You know what I mean? Now, early on in your career, I would assume maybe you had like some shit shows because, like you said, everyone's human. You don't. You only learn if you you screw up, right? Now, the opposite. Was there any fight where you just went in and your body was not doing what your brain wanted to do? Yeah, definitely. That's probably the hardest part of fighting. Like, uh, ah, okay. to have that switch on. Like, you know, a guy can look at me. I'm in the back in the backstage in, in my in, I'm in my dressing room getting sure. warmed up. 
waiting for my turn to step into the octagon and a guy can give me a can look at me a way that I don't like it can really just it can it can backfire and put me in a very negative state of mind and I, and I would I would be like I would be stuck in that that state um you know many times in my fighting career you know I was in a I couldn't get myself out of that bad state of mind oh, okay so you're the opposite you don't want to be angry going into a fight no, angry, no. I mean, no, it's angry. It's professional fight. Like, we've been training weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah, we. it's not, it's not emotional. You don't want to be emotional. A good fighter is never emotional. A good fighter is, like, a good fight is more, it's it's composed, and you're calm, and you're focused on, like, the task at hand. You know, it's like a soldier. Like, we, we, every day, we punch each other in the face. Every day, we, we, we practice stimulation of a fight. So you want to practice to stay calm, you know, because if you're if you go with emotion, you're gonna get clouded and you're not gonna think clear. That is true. I don't even think it. Now, how does audience come into effect for you? Because obviously you've you've fought in front of your home audience, you've gone away to the States, you've even fought in Brazil. How is it different from each place and does it affect you at all? Or again, another day at the office? No, it does affect me. That, mm. that was one of my that was one of my biggest hurdles. Okay. Uh, that was one of my biggest challenges is how to overcome traveling. Like I, I tried so hard to stay in Montreal. Uh, if it was up to me, <laughs> I would have go home, uh, go to the gym, go sure. back to my house, go to Montreal, go to the Bell Center, get fight, get my paycheck, and come back home. <laughs> like in a, in a perfect world. Of course. But of course. Of course, uh, COVID hit. Of course. UFC stuff coming to Canada. The original UFC, uh, the Toronto UFC headquarters closed down. Right. Uh, MMA in Canada died out after George St. Pierre retired. Um, a lot of changes, a lot of changes occur, occurred, and I had no choice to, uh, you know, like we say, burst my bubble and uh, go get out of my comfort zone. So I started traveling. I was very uncomfortable traveling. I never liked traveling because okay. I, I don't know what I don't know what to expect. Like the food. It's it's a lot of things, you know, like training, getting the, the right training partners, getting the right coaches. Sure. Of course, it's very expensive. It's very expensive for me to put guys on the salary. I can't put guys on the salary. You know what I mean? So, so I gotta I gotta work with what I got, and also and also the biggest thing for me was my it was mentally. It was like I had a mental barrier, you know, uh, psychological. It played with my head. So so in Montreal, I'm undefeated. Like if oh, you really wow. think about it, never lost in Montreal. Oh, wow. Never lost it. Do you see that? That's why I understand like why Floyd Mayweather never really fought outside of Vegas. It's his hometown. He he, he draws the crowd. He's very familiar with the place. You know, his uncle, his father. Like like that's why you see a lot of athletes. They try very hard. It's it's a ritual. You know, you, you, you wanna you wanna be very comfortable because you know that you can perform the best. It's like you, you know, you're getting ready to, to do an interview, you have your stuff down packed. You don't have to think about it. It's true. And you want it like like you were just saying, like with slapping your fingers, like muscle memory. You want it to be good comfortable and it's true because then that brings down the nerves it makes you less yeah i see what you're saying yeah anything to make the situation i guess less nervous nerve-wracking right right correct so we're back to the traveling what's been your favorite city besides montreal to fight in my favorite city you know what calgary and nashville really that was good energy okay for some reason well, it's sort of, sort of cowboys, you know, Western, you know, country music in both cities. So I, maybe maybe you're drawn to that. <laughs> maybe. That was good. That was good fights. I had some good fights in, in, in those areas. So how was it? I, w- I would assume that, again, COVID era, you fought in front of no audience. How was that adapting to something that different? So the, the first time I fought was in Brazil. That was okay. the first time. Like I was in that card when when everything shut down. Oh shit! Really? Oh, okay. So that that was a horrible experience because I was just like all over the place. You oh, know what I mean? Oh, I could imagine. Down and COVID, and my, my family calling me back at home. My, my mother was panicking, telling me, right? "No joke, the day of the fight, I get a phone call in the morning. I always speak to my mother. You know, my mother. Sure. God bless her soul. She's 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 a very old school, traditional. You know, like." Uh, immigrant family always worries about you you know what I mean yep. so always worried about me so I always make sure I call my mom she, she hears my voice I tell her mom everything is okay don't worry right. so I do it for her you know what I mean but she stresses me out because she's always worried all the time <laughs> of <But> course <laughs> that, was, that was the day of my fight 
do you have to fight? Like, come back home. She she thought I was going to be stuck in Brazil. Oh, you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. That, just that alone kind of got me, like, put me in a very, you know, I, I, that's the thing, you know, that's the hardest part. Like, how do you block these things off? You know, all this external, right? how do you block off all these external things and then go into a competition? You know, that's very hard. Yeah, I could imagine. That's the thing that people, when someone shits on a fighter and you're like, oh, look at him, you didn't come out, whatever. It's like, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes and what led it. It's like any other sport. Like, I don't understand why people don't do that with other sports. It makes no sense to me. When I look at a fight, I never judge, I never judge a fight by what's going on in the physical aspect. Like, okay. it's, it's emotional. And it's mental. Where their minds at, and and the build up to the fight. Maybe the guy had a fight with his wife. Maybe that's true. He's not, right? Maybe he's not happy in his in his personal life. Where maybe the, his trainers weren't giving him his, their full attention. Maybe he had no good preparation. There's so many things can go. There's so much things have to align straight for that one night for you to perform. That's why like we're underpaid. Like athletes are underpaid. Thank like, you. People, uh, celebrities like people that perform. People that have a lot of pressure from this, from this, from the media, you know, they, they perform like there's so much as a, it's, there's so much pressure build up, you know, that, that that's why I don't I don't I don't get surprised when I hear like uh, singers or actors like committing suicide or or, or or they're like on drugs or like right. or like around or they're having multiple friends because for them that's that's the only way they can let out their their stress. No, it's true. And the other thing that you, and you don't even touch on is this is one of the biggest. And as a fighter, you don't ever want to reveal anything, but the injuries that go on, it's like no one's ever a hundred percent when you go into a fight. You know what I mean? Never. I have four surgeries in one year. Jesus. I fought my last fight in April. I fought with a second maratoso broken foot. I kicked the guy. It broke in the first round. Wow. I came with a, a, a complete torn rotator cuff. I had to do surgery. I did my ACL in Brazil. I, in, in Brazil, I fought with a torn a- with a torn ACL. My legs were uh, were like balloon, uh, you know, like that played a part. Like I couldn't get, like I, w- I was in the fight and I-, I knew my leg was blown up. Sure. And, but I kept on moving, I kept on like fighting. But it was like, you know, it is what it is. But then I, my recent injury was a torn, complete torn hamstring. Oh wow! Are you kidding me? I just did three weeks ago. I did surgery, you know. So now I'm back on the sideline. You know, so it's you know you're like I'm like I'm like a Bugatti, and now I'm stuck in the garage. <laughs> or you're stuck in a, a Canadian winter in the garage because you could only bring it out in the summer. <laughs> yeah, well, not exactly, but it's 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 been very hard for me to deal with all these obstacles. Oh man, yes. People don't even think of that stuff that goes behind the scenes. It's so true. Now you see, guys, if you're sitting on the couch and you're judging these fighters, there's a lot more that goes behind it than meets the eye. Because uh, I don't understand how people think like that. But again. They've never done it. They've never seen it. They never talked to anyone outside their circle. So that's probably why too, right? I mean, yeah, the, the real people know. They understand. So I brought up Masvidal fight coming up. What do you think of his bare knuckle MMA league that he has? Uh, I haven't been uh, following. This is uh, you talking about the bare knuckles? That's his league. No, he has the Game Bread Fighting Championship apparently, and it's bare knuckle MMA uh, as well now. I mean, if it's yeah, if if he has the contacts, he has the opportunity to build something. It's business. Would you ever go down that venture eventually in your career? No, no. I, I got, I got, I got to do some. Uh, I got a, a DM on my Twitter account, Bare Knuckles, asking me to, to join their contract. I never. Oh, really? I'm not crazy. Like I'm crazy, but for me, uh, I, I tell you straight up, I hate fighting. I don't like. Who the fuck wants to put himself in this situation? I just did. I just, at that point, you know, growing up as a martial artist, you know, sure. I wanted to have family financially. I wanted to, to, that was like my, my outlet. Like that was, I was, I was gifted in something very good. I knew that I can make a lot of money in mixed martial arts. Like, like even with the UFC, for example, right. you know, we have a gun, protect our hands. You know, we have a four ounce glove. It's not, it's not a lot of protection. We don't have a lot of protection, but it's better than nothing. Like for me to go into, uh, uh, going back to the streets and like fighting, it's it's I don't know I just find it it's it's going back to record backtracking. Right, exactly. Well, yeah, that does make sense. And plus, you don't want to be doing that later on in your career because obviously, if you have a full MMA career, then you go into that. There's head trauma that everyone knows about and all that. And speaking of, are you afraid of any of that going on? Do you think it'll happen to you, or you're good? You think you'll be in the clear? Uh, 
Well, look at me. I get pressure all the time. Like I'm a defensive fighter. If you watch my fights, uh, oh. I'm one of the highest significant def- defensive. So I don't want to get hit. I try very hard not to get hit. So it's more to the naked eye. The UFC just puts pressure on me. You know, their John is not really exciting because they want guys who are gonna literally take punches. Of course, they, 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 people want to see two guys beating the shit out of each other. You know, but uh, my goal is my objective is not to get touched at all. I don't want to get touched. I wanna, I wanna go in there. Beat up the guy, dominate. I want to dominate. I want to be able to be like, like hit and move. You know, just like, just like the rap song with Notorious B.I.G. Make him, make him miss, hit him, and collect that paycheck. Oh, so yeah. Well, you know what? That's the smartest way of fighting. It's, it's the guys. I think the best fighters, in my opinion, are the ones that you see afterwards. You don't really see it in the prime. You see it afterwards. If they're still able to walk and talk, to me, they're already a better fighter than anyone who came before them. <laughs> I'm very fortunate that I can give, I can speak to you. You know, I think I can, you know, I have complete sentences. I can talk to you. You know, a lot of fighters are punch drunk. Right. And that's the thing. And, and, and that's what I mean. I don't understand. Like you see a lot of, again, the retired MMA fighters going into bare knuckle boxing. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, I know it's your body and you could do what you want. And again, we don't know the background story, but it's, it, it hurts as a fan. And it also hurts their legacy. I think a little bit. Definitely, 100%. I don't believe in taking damage. That, you know, anybody can take damage. It's it's, uh, it's how you execute, you know. Like, I want to be a sniper. Like, I always wanted to be like a sniper, you know. No one sees no one sees the shit coming. No, that's, again, that's that's smart. That's the best way to do it. And kudos to you not to crack under pressure with the UFC and you continue the style that you do because it's only going to benefit you moving forward. Many times in the, in the arena, I got booed. Many times in my fights, uh, there was a lot of booing involved. You know, sure. but you know, I pick it up. I pick up the pace, and uh, and the other guy knows too. Like the other guy, he's not gonna let me hit him. You know, the other guy. We're two professional athletes trying to uh, fight intel- intelligently. So it's not like he's gonna drop his hands. And he's gonna stay there like a punching bag. Yeah, no, that's true. Okay, John. So, what do you do on your free time, my friend? Besides fighting, besides training, what do you like to do as a hobby? What's like? What do you listen to? What movies do you watch? TV? Is there anything on your lists? Besides uh, exercising and, and involved, and I'm very uh, intuitive. Like I'm very involved in uh, understanding the the body because because I use my body so much, okay. because I use my mind so much, and. To understand myself better, I read. You know, I, I'm into philosophy. I've been, I've been uh, listening to audios. I've been reading, reading about stoicism. Oh, I, uh, okay. I have my own merch that I've been developing uh, nice. called Bullwear. I'm associated with uh, a supplement brand called Bull Nutrition back in Montreal, Canada. I've been trying to be more of a of an influencer in the social media. I've been trying to motivate and inspire people. I don't I don't I don't post like on the material. I, I wanted to be something different. I didn't want to just post on like uh, what what car I'm driving or sure. what 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 like accomplishment that I have. It's more about uh, I'm very simple guy. I'm very like I want to motivate, inspire people, and I'm focusing on personal coaching on the side, like mentoring guys i want to be like a mentor versus just like, it's like a life coach not necessarily just about like training someone how to fight or how to beat up someone right. you know like combative and in a combative setting but i want to help the individual to how to deal with anxiety how Smart. how to manage stress or how to how to deal with just being overwhelmed you know like a lot of these guys they don't have no one listening to them you know so like i i have a couple of guys right now that i just like you know I go for a coffee with them, and I, and I hear them out, and the and that does so much for them. No, that's oh no, I'm interested. I want to go back to this philosophy thing. Like, what are like some of the stuff you're getting into? What is the stuff that you've been learning? What's some something that just made you open your eyes completely that you had no idea about? Well, I'm I'm raised. I was born in a Roman Catholic family. Okay, so same here. My family, my mom is very religious. You know, the, the cross, yep. praying good. But I can do so much, you know. I can pray to God. I pray every day, but there's so much that I can do because we can't. Sto- stoicism, you apply it. It's an, stoicism is more about reasoning and, and understanding the situation. Like, okay. it's the obstacle is the way. They teach you how you are going to be negative things happen to you. Things, bad things will happen. It's not like, oh, close your eyes and just think positive. We can, we can close our eyes and think positive, but guess what? People are still dying. People still getting hurt. Yeah, and right. there's 
COVID is still there, for example. So it's how to adjust. It's how it's it's going with the problem. It's like understanding the problem. And and negative is people make ne- being negative a bad thing. It's it's just understanding like being aware. And that's what stoicism is about. Stoicism is about applying it into practical situations and and how to d- deal with it. You know, what I mean, understanding the problem and like instead of it's, it's basically problem solving. You know, how to how to okay. go over that hurt. I mean, how to adjust, how to adapt, and how to overcome. And you know what? I think everyone needs that in their everyday life because I say it all the time. There's no such thing as common sense anymore. And it's not not only because people don't want to know. It's just because of the world we live in. And it's everyone's so busy. Everyone, there's so much fear now in the world. Unknown. Who knows how the future is going to shape out, right? So, to like you said, like that that's pretty good to, to know, man. Shit. Yes, Bozim. I, I really recommend it. Whoever's listening, you know. Uh, look up stoicism uh, a lot of uh, it, it goes all the way back to the roman time marcus aurelius uh, okay. he was he practiced stoicism um, you know uh, he was a he was a greek philosopher who teached stoicism to uh, a lot of different people and also i'm still like i'm still relatively new i'm still learning the you know but it's pretty cool i, I like it a lot it, it works for me no, and, and another thing you do, you you posted it that uh, you do some affirmations as part of your your morning routine. Now, explain that uh, and w- how you do all that, and how did that come out to be too? Oh, that's that's so. In my fighting career, uh, I got introduced to a sports psychologist. So, oh, okay. you know, trainers, we have strength conditioning. We don't we work the body. Like we always we also focus on the the body and the physical conditioning, but we forget about the mental conditioning. And how to train the mind. So I worked with sports psychologist. He's from Arizona called Brian Kane. I got he worked with George St. Pierre, so I got introduced to him. I got connected with him. Sure. I continued I continued touching base. I did his I, st- I I studied under him and I actually got certified for fun. Oh wow, look at that. That's pretty cool. So what did you exactly do? What are the affirmations? And for someone who doesn't know, how do you get started and how does it all work? So he works he so he dedicated his whole life. Uh, following athletes, you know, and he took bits, he took bits and parts from different types of coaches, different mentorship, and different guys. So every high successful person had some type of routine, you know what I mean? Right. So their their mindset, the way they speak, the way they talk to themselves, their self talk, the language they talk, you know, recognizing the are you being negative? Are you like oh, like a lot of people okay. uh, are. Like a lot of people, they, they don't realize how they live their life. Like, sure. you know, habit, having routines, uh, understanding yourself. It's all about really understanding yourself. You know what I mean? It's yeah, what sure. comes down to. So an affirmation is just like, it's like a prayer. You know what I mean? You, you, you're you reinforcing it. You're reinforcing it because it's like a muscle. If you don't reinforce it, it's going to fade away. You know what I mean? You're going to let, you're going to let all the external things affect it's like toxic you want you're gonna be you're gonna be polluted and you can't think straight so an affirmations are just to uh keep your mind right uh keep you healthy mentally you know uh, and keep you focused on on becoming the better version of yourself and for someone who just wants to get started the best way is just to do it in the morning do a little bit at a time just put something out there it could be any time it's, oh, okay. it's not like it's not a set date you know what i mean it's just uh it's just it's just but i i, I suggest Writing it down oh. on your like, like I have a visual board. So sure. I, when I wake up in the morning, it's right there. Like okay. so, it's like it's, it's like having inspiration everywhere. You know, having little notes everywhere, reminders, and and the more because you, your your mind, you're like the way we are right now, the way we're talking, our conscious mind mm-hmm. understands words. Like we're okay. communicating through words, but the subconscious mind doesn't go with words. It goes with images. Images. It only talks with images. Oh. So that's why. Watching a movie and you see a guy killing someone, you get oh, you think you're in the movie, right? Because conscious mind, the language of a subconsciously is all about imagery. It's 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 what you visual. Which so your thought becomes an emotion, and that emotion creates a picture in the head. Right, that makes sense. If I'm sad, I'm gonna think of something sad, and I'm gonna have this sad feeling, and then that subconsciously, you're becoming like. You, you, you're like becoming, uh, without you realizing, you're, you're becoming a depressing person because you're stuck, you're stuck in this state. And so you got to get out of that, you got to get the fuck out of that state. Yeah, no, that makes sense too. And I think also it goes with the negativity. If you're thinking negative, you're attracted to negativity and vice versa. If you're positive, 
here's the here's the, the good thing that I, that I learned. Okay. You you are gonna think negative, so don't try to fight it. People are like, oh, I don't want to think. I want to meditate. No, no. Right. It's like the monkey. You have two voices. You have the monkey in your head. Sure. You got you got the two people in your head. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You can call it whatever you want. It's just understanding like the voices in your head. It's not really you because you kind of observe observe it, and you gotta, and then you have to condition your mind like a work, like you're training. Sure. You have to train your 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 talking. You you have to beat that voice in your head through affirmation. Like I give an example: if you wake up that day and you don't feel good, right. I don't feel good. But if you keep if you if you keep talking to yourself like that, so you, you you're stuck in that state. So yeah. you don't feel good. You you know something happened. Okay, well I don't feel good. You acknowledge it, but now you you switch to something more positive, more productive. You know, I mean, you go for a walk. You can do whatever it is. Go in the shower. Have a coffee. Just don't get stuck in that mud. Well, it's true because I've seen, like, unfortunately, my mom was sick growing up. She had cancer and everything. So I've seen how she was. And it was true. She gravitated towards that negativity of always thinking I'm sick. So she would always be stuck in bed. And I took that as a learning curve where now that I'm older, I'm starting to get, like, not as sick as she was, thank God. But I have some problems from from her, obviously, the DNA and stuff. But... I try not to dwell on that. And it's like how you said, I acknowledge it, but you have to move on and go with it. And I find that I feel a lot better once I do that routine every once in a while. Like, you know what I mean? Because it's true. You have to acknowledge and to be naive is one thing, but not to like, I don't know, man. It, it's funny how the brain works, right? Yeah, it, it's hard because yes, it's, it's also tradition. Like we come from that background. So we come from our parents being pessimistic. It's, it's that culture. Exactly. There was no positivity back then. And plus there was no enjoyment, no fulfillment. It was literally work, go home, work, go home, make babies, go home. And that's it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not about being happy. Yeah, no, it's it's so weird how life used to be back in the day. Yeah, people should be grateful nowadays. Now, you've talked about a lot of other things besides MMA, even teaching and all that. Do you have a plan for life after MMA? Is this like sort of what you want to be, like a mentor, a teacher? I do. I mean, it's hard. Like I have goals. You know, but it's it's tough to say, right? Anything can happen. So I'm kind of going day by day. I have goals, of course. You know, I, my my ultimate goal is to have a successful business running. You know, outside of fighting. So uh, I'm working on that, and I'm just edu- I'm just uh, you know staying in school. I'm learning. I'm getting. I'm just growing my mind. You know, so like that. Uh, once once it's time for me to pull the trigger, I have a direction. That's good to hear. No, it's it's always good to have a, an extra plan, right? You can't. I, I know a lot of people say you got to put all your eggs in one basket in order to make it. But at the same time, it's also good to have a backup plan in case either you fall flat on your face or you have an alternative moving forward. Because, again, in the world we live in now, anything could happen at any time. My thing is you can have all your eggs in one basket. But okay. when the basket is starting to fall, it's time to take your eggs and put them somewhere else. Ah, I like that even better. That's a good one. I'm going to start using that one. <laughs> Before we get to the word story of the week, like I mentioned... Are you into TV? Do you watch anything like music-wise? Even do you have like uh, training music yeah. on, on, that you like prefer to listen to? I mean, I have a wide variation. I like to, I go. I can go from the fifties, sixties, really French and uh, listen oh, to rock, R and B. Depends on depends on my mood. How about TV watching and movies and stuff like that? And and anything? Yes, like, movies I like suspense i like uh real stories i like meaningful stuff you know i like something that is meaningful i don't like stupid things i don't like to watch too much of like stupidities but i will, I will from time to time watch comedy you know what i mean like sure. just to laugh you know? get a laugh you know what i mean but i try to stick i try to live life with purpose and meaning now do you enjoy watching like martial arts movies and tv shows being a martial artist yourself yeah, of course, of course. I, I grew up, I grew up in watching like Bloodsport, Kickboxer, you know, Three Hundred, uh, oh, Gladiator. I used to watch all those movies before my fighting. I, and uh, what? And the, the TV series where I watched the most was Vikings. Oh, Vi- now as a fighter, do you like see the stuff that you're like, oh, they could have did that better. Oh, this sh- should have been like that. Like, do, are you one of those guys, or you just sit back and enjoy it? Yeah, I try just to enjoy it and try to learn Smart. something. First, like criticizing. How about Cobra Kai? Have you watched Cobra Kai on Netflix? Oh, the karate there? I like the original karate, not the, not, 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 not the, the remake. I feel like the remakes, they destroy it. <laughs> well, it is sort of like campy and stuff, but there's something about it that it's so bad that it's good. I, I don't know. I, I just wanted to get your opinion uh, having a background in Taekwondo. 
Yeah, I don't watch it. For Taekwondo, the best movie is Best of the Best. Really? And that's the other thing. They really don't make that many Taekwondo movies, right? No, but that was in the 80s. That was 80s, 90s, that movie. That's true. And he, but even nowadays, they don't make barely any more. It's all superhero-type movies with, with their action scenes now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, no, man, old school. Like, I listen to old school hip-hop. Like, even today's modern rap is like... Doesn't, I'm just the saying, words, don't worry. The words they're rapping has no sense. And again, we come from just, a di- we come from a different yeah. era. That's why you know what I mean. That, that that's the thing too. There's no soul. Like they're just surface. There's no deep. Like it's there's no like emotion. There's no like em- like like uh, meaning. You know what I mean? You know what I found too now, especially with this generation that is making it big and everything. They found the formula, and it seems like everyone's doing the same thing. So no one wants to change because they know that makes money. Well, I mean that's how it is, right? So. It's a blueprint. You get that blueprint, and it's it's a it's a recipe. Like you know, but you gotta be true to yourself. Like the guys who are who are fake, who try to to try to copycat. You know, you yeah. they kind of fall eventually. You know, you gotta be real. You gotta be real to yourself. Like in a sense of you know, if you're gonna do that, you have to do something that you that you're like. It's it's who you are because if if you're not. There's so much like uh, there's you can only go so far if you're faking it. True. You have to, you know, be that person. Right? I mean, you have to, you have to embody it. It's like character. Like it's all about character. Like, you know what I mean? That's why it's all about building your character. You know, like, like, like Jake Paul, for example. That, like, that's who he is in real life. That's, that's how he is. Like, it's not, it's not like he's like that. And he's not like that no more. You know, what I mean, it's like no, that's how he is. Maybe he's not like Conor McGregor. That's how he is in real life. Like people told me, like that's how he is. That's it's his character. Like it's not. He's not being fake. It's he's loud. He's obnoxious. He's like uh, you know. Some guys are just. It's in their, I'm more. I'm more of an introvert. I'm more quiet. Sure, yeah. I'm more tough. I don't really talk much. No, and it's true. It makes total complete sense because you're right. All the people who are who they are, that you it comes off that way. And then especially if you could back it up. Like exactly. and another example is like Chael Sonnen back in the day, like how people say the original shit talker, right? Like he is who he is. Like and Michael Bisbing's another one. He is who he is. It's like those are the guys who thrive. And yeah, it's true. Like you don't see them flop. And kudos to them for being who they are. And it's true. Like love them or hate them, you gotta love them for being who they are. Hundred percent, exactly, exactly. All right, ready for the worst story of the week? What is the worst story? <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to sort of piggyback off of last week's story. I had to do something with, like, death and stuff like that. Do, now, being a spiritual person, do you think a lot about death? Or do you accept it and you're like, okay, the afterlife is just a part of life and all that stuff? Yeah, of course. I, uh, I think of that most of the time. It's uh, Any human being that doesn't tell you that is lying. I think we all, you know, I think as humans, we all kind of think about death and but uh, as a you know i don't really i embrace it like i'm gonna die one day so i think that's why i don't i do whatever i want because i, I don't do whatever i want I, I do it in a more like in a healthy way i'm not sure. gonna just go like drink beer or get drunk or exactly I, I don't mean like i do whatever i want but <laughs> yeah. i mean like i'm gonna pursue certain things sure. so at least i and if it doesn't work out at least i have no regret yeah no well put exactly I, for me to pick myself up and go to a whole different country and to to start over again that's right. that was something very hard for me to do like that was it took me uh more than almost six seven years to get out my, to to actually make that move wow. i was i was very like it's, it's like a commitment so it's like a, it's like in a relationship i had commitment issues i have trust issues sure childhood it can be from my family like like my father you know what i mean i never trusted my father why i don't know he, like he a lot of empty pro you know like every guy is like yeah, yeah i'll go buy you your shoes tomorrow he never buys me shoes like, <laughs> like it's just like i grew up yeah. in a very i hear you weird, i have this weird insecurities where i had to learn how to like deal with them and i had a commitment issue you know so i'm either I want to move. I don't want to move. I, I want to move. I don't want to move. It took me seven years to make the fucking move. You know? Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm the same way. I think about death too, but not to the point where it drives me insane, of course. But yeah, it's true. No. I think every human does at least once or twice in your life. You think about it, right? It's true. But yeah, you're right. You have to live it to the fullest and with no regret to the point where you're not hurting yourself or others. Obviously, I think that's the best way. But this week's story comes from India. 
where an electrician got struck by a vehicle and was pronounced dead at the hospital. So what makes this a bit weird, here it comes. So he was taken to the morgue and put in the freezer until the family could come and identify him and then sign off on the autopsy and all that stuff. So obviously the morgue is in the basement of the hospital. The family showed up seven hours later and uh, one of the family members was uh, his sister-in-law. So they pulled over the cover. They, they saw him. They're like, yes, that's him. And then she put his her hand on his forehead and started to cry, like I guess her last what, hurrah before the, he goes in. And then she was like, wait a minute. He's pretty warm. She looks over at his chest, sees that he's breathing. This guy was never dead. They pronounced him dead at the hospital, put him in the morgue, and he was still alive. Can you believe that? This is a true story? True story. It, well, that's, that's right? What happened? So what happened, well, I, I don't know the details of the exact, what the doctors apparently screwed up, obviously, and pronounced him dead. But what actually kept him alive was that the freezers weren't working properly. So he didn't completely freeze or else he would have died by being frozen to death instead of what the doctors thought he originally died of. So he was saved by the, how odd is that an electrician is saved by an electrical default? <laughs> so it was like he was meant to stay alive, like, you know what I mean? And then because of that... He, he didn't freeze, you know what I mean? And now the family's suing the hospital and the doctors and all that because they pronounced him dead. Like, can you imagine that shit? How scary is that? Yeah, it's pretty intense, man. That's like, pretty crazy. Yeah. I, I can't believe, like, I worry about, like, humanity because a lot of people don't do their jobs as they're supposed to be doing as, like, back in the day when people had pride. And again, this goes to show, is this just a human error or is it just, like... Uh, an anomaly like how many other people does this pro- probably happen to can you imagine yeah human error is uh is one of them for sure but i think people are we're overpopulated and there's over and workers are understaffed and overwhelmed you know what that's yeah that that is a good statement to it so true and then you, you see so many things you're so numb to every situation you don't double check anything and you just you know sign off on something or double or just check it quickly and you print yeah that's true Never thought of it that way. But yeah, it's still a scary world, man. Oh, like, 100%. Like, like now, uh, attention deficit disorder is at, at the highest. Right? It seems like yeah, everyone I, has it. Have, uh, you have your phone next to you, you have your tablet next to you, you're listening to music, and you're trying to focus on something, and you're talking to your, like, I've I seen some crazy stuff, you know? Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Well, thanks, John, for coming aboard this week. Really appreciate it. Plug anything you want to promote, your socials, anything up and coming. Floor's all yours. Appreciate that. Well, first off, I want to thank you for the opportunity, for reaching out to me, for uh, making me a part of your podcast interview. Anyone that wants to check me out on my social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, at John McDessie. Um, you know, go check out John. Uh, go check out my website. Uh, you have I have uh, I also do consultation personal coaching and I also have my bullwear uh, apparel you know it's, it's all about passion you know anyone that likes uh, anyone that likes uh, you know any, anybody who's passionate who's dedicated you know guys like you you know what I mean I, for me it's it's about that's, that's what it's all about if you guys want to support my, my brand you go there and check it out if you like something you purchase it and then also bull nutrition you know you guys want to if you guys want good supplements there's uh, proteins, uh, a lot of uh, healthy stuff, vitamins and apple cider, all these things to help you with your uh, manage weight, you know, weight loss and fat burning stuff. You go there, you can also use Bull 20 and gives you a discount uh, if you go to uh, bullnutrition.com. Nice. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Please rewind to the top of the show. Support those fine sponsors because if it helps them out, helps me out. And most importantly, please rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. One last thing before I let you go, my friend. The nickname, The Bull. Who gave it to you and why? Two things. My amateur career. Um... I'm a, I was born in the astral, in the in the zodiac. I'm a Taurus. Okay. So I'm, a, I'm and my sister, my sister started that. I was uh, coming forward, okay. and I was I was always coming forward, putting pressure on my on my amateur career. So it kind of one thing, it kind of you know, it kind of uh, my sister came one time to one of my one of my fights in my younger career, and right. uh, she's will go and uh, kind of just it kind of clicked. You know what I mean? So I give it, uh, I give the credit to my sister. 
Nice. On that note, he's John. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.